Oh look, we've got a slide there already. So that's uh, just a, a little bit about me. That's three of my girls. Uh, they're glad you could make it today. Uh, and, uh, so that's actually a shout conference earlier this year. So there's Ruby, Isabel, and Tessa. And if you go to one more, um, next slide, that's uh, Ida. And uh, so they range in age from just about 11 through to one. And they're beautiful uh, girls. My wife is also very beautiful. You can tell that because that's her arm. Uh, it's a beautiful arm. Uh, but you can tell that she's beautiful because of her beautiful girls. Because uh, they didn't get that from me. So, um, yeah, we're, 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 I'm very blessed and, uh, yeah, excited to be here in Cromwell. I didn't realise Cromwell had grown so much in the last couple of years. It's an exploding uh, place. And so it's cool to, to have you, uh, you guys, you know, growing a church in this, in this place. Um, I just have a, uh, like a prophetic word. I don't know. What's your name, sorry? Yes. Faith. Awesome. Faith. I believe God would say that you need to, uh, you need to run. So uh, not run away, but run. Uh, there's, a, there's a sense that um, you've been walking and you've been faithfully walking, but now God is increasing the, the pace, I guess. He wants you to, to, to start pursuing him in such a way you're running hard after him. You know, Paul talks about that we run the race uh, and uh, there's just a, there's a challenge and I know that you, you're up to it. You've just got to take that and, and start running um, after him, pursuing him. Um, so good. Is there anybody here who has uh, like wrist or hand issues um, that would like prayer? Anybody have anything? <laughs> No, that's okay. I get this wrong sometimes. That's cool. Uh, if, if that is you and you want to talk to me afterwards, I'll slap you. And then I'll pray for you. Uh, <laughs> that'll be awesome. Hey, uh, today I want to talk about, and there's a reason I got you all to come together, because what I want to talk about is being together. Being together. And I don't just mean like in one place, but I mean together, together. And uh, there's, a, there's a very good reason Oh, actually, I'm going to give you, the way I'm going to do it, I'm going to give you three very good reasons why we need to come together. I'm going to give you three ways how we can come together more. Because I know as a, uh, a fellow kind of church planter that this is something that I wish uh, my church had got earlier. And so hopefully I'm doing Ray and Shannon a favour and, and, and getting you guys on board on this uh, early on. Because the, the, the importance of being together, uh, firstly, is, is that... We live in a very lonely, isolated world. Like we're, we're the most connected we've ever been with our phones and stuff. I could talk to my sister in New York just like that. But we're also the most disconnected generation of people as well because of that same reason. We're often just on our phones uh, and, and not connecting with one another. And I just heard on the radio this morning as I was eating my breakfast... Uh, uh, about a, a young mum who had just started sending out cards um, with her six-year-old son um, to people at Christmas. And she said, they sent out, um, they got a whole lot of other people on board, 32,000 cards to people who were not going to get a card or have any kind of person wow. looking out in, in old folks' homes and in hospitals and rest homes. And, 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 and her aim is for 100,000 people this year, this Christmas. Wow. 
And I mean, that's such a small thing to send out a card, but it just speaks to the loneliness and the emptiness and the brokenness in our world. And, and I, don't, I don't know about you, but that, that moves me because we're supposed to be together. Mm-hmm. We're designed for relationship. Yeah, and, and so often I think, as, as Christians, we think, oh, it's just it's me and God. It's me and God and we're tight and, that, and that's all good. But if you go back to, to creation, you go back to uh, when God created the world and he created mankind, he, he, he went through and he said, man, it's good. He created uh, this. He, it was good. He created the animals. It was good. He created Adam. It was good. But then he said, hang on, it's not good that Adam is alone. So it's good, 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 good. And then it's not good. And the thing that was not good is that Adam was alone. And so then he created Eve and they came together and it was very good. And I think there's a, there's a sense that actually we're, we're, it's not just you and God. No, no man is an island. And, and the sooner we realize that uh, as a church, it will, it will solve so many problems in the, in, in the world. Like in New Zealand, we have a massive issue with, with suicide. We, we've got the, the worst stats uh, in, in the world for, for youth suicide. And part of it, I think, is this, this loneliness the, uh, that there's not that, that connection. And, you know, there's a... I don't know how many of you know the, the story of, of Judas in the Bible, but Judas is the most famous suicide in the Bible. And it's, a, and it's an incredibly sad story. If you stop and think about it, here's this guy, Judas, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples. He was tight with God himself. So you can be tight with God, and yet he ends up betraying Jesus, and then in his, in his brokenness from doing that, he, he takes his own life. Like, How does that play out? You're that close to God, and then that happens. Well, the, the key for for this and how that happened was that Judas wasn't actually together with the other 12 disciples. Like if Judas had actually stopped and said, hey, Thaddeus, Thaddeus is one of the 12 disciples he's never really mentioned. I uh, just thought I'd give a shout out to Thaddeus. <laughs> and uh, everybody talks about Peter and John and all those guys. But Thaddeus, if you just said, hey, hey, Thaddeus, you know, I'm thinking of, I'm thinking of, this Jesus guy, he's not living up to my expectations. How about I, you know, we make a bit of coin on the side? Then Thaddeus would have said, no, that's a dumb idea. Judas, don't do it. You see, we're designed for togetherness. And if he if he had actually stopped and been with the other 12 disciples, that might not have ever happened. You hear what I'm saying? That, that actually we're designed, yes, we're designed to be together with God, but we're designed to be together with one another. And it's, it's not either or, it's, it's both and. Because there's an ache in every, in every person to belong. I think too, too often churches have been about, you know, you come along to church and you believe, and then you behave, and then you belong. And that's kind of been the progress. You come along, you believe the right things, and then because you believe the right things, you'll start to behave the right way, and then eventually you'll belong. But God would say, no, 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 no. 
belong first. We belong to Him and we belong to one another. And then we start to believe our beliefs change. And then hopefully our behaviour also changes as well. And I think, and and that's why I love these guys have got a great heart for people. And, and, And I know their heart is that you will belong. Well before you, you change in, your, in, in, in the way you behave and, and, and what you believe. So the first thing I'd say is that we need to come together because of the brokenness of the hurting world around us. The second thing I'd say, the reason we need to come together is because we're stronger together. We grow That's right. That's right. together. Nobody grows in isolation. It's easier... To be by yourself. I've got four daughters. My house would be so much tidier. <laughs> so much less mess. Because that's what relationship brings. It brings mess. Doesn't it? When you have to get along with people. When you have to rub shoulders with one another. When, you know, and some of you are probably feeling that you've made you come all together here. You're having to smell each other. And, uh, you know, there's a... There's a mess that comes with relationship. There's a mess that comes with togetherness. But from that comes growth. You don't grow, you aren't stretched without relationship. Too many people think, oh, I need deeper teaching to grow. And I've I've seen people, you know, leave churches because I'm looking for deeper teaching. No, you don't need deeper teaching to grow. You need deeper relationship. Mm, That's good. Actually, deeper relationship is where real growth happens. We grow when we, when we connect with one another at a deeper level. Because there's no, there's no lone wolves in the kingdom of God. You know, nobody can achieve what God has purpose for them by themselves. We do it together. And, and Proverbs 27, I have got some scripture here to back up what I'm saying. Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. I don't know if you've ever seen iron and iron hitting each other, but sparks fly. <laughs> That's actually okay. That's the way it happens. But too many of us, we're, we, we get a bit, especially in a Kiwi culture, we get a bit kind of, uh, you know, you said something, so we get offended and we, we, we leave. Or we, we turn away. No, no. We need to learn that actually you're, you, it's okay to disagree. Mm. We need to agree to disagree sometimes. But iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. And we need to be in that close relationship. Sharpening one another. Encouraging one another. Bouncing ideas off each other. Growing alongside each other. I think our greatest challenge as Christians is not that we know more, because we, you know, we live in a, a world where we, information is there. It's actually that we love more. And that happens when we're together. That happens in relationships. So, so we, we become stronger together. Mm, that's, That's where growth happens. And, uh, and I can I encourage you in this church, in this place, Get alongside one another, encourage one another, because in that, you will grow. Mm, you will grow. Hey, I don't, I don't know, this might be, this might be uh, usual 
um, sound levels from the congregation for this church. But I, I, I'm, I'm going to ask you guys um, if you could give me some encouragement. Just, just, just some verbal like, yeah, good, good point, Dave. Or, yeah, that's good. Or, um, uh-huh. Just, mm, if you can't open your mouth. But uh, laughter is good too at appropriate times. Um, but uh, I will preach better and you'll get more out of it as well. There's a, there's a dynamic here that uh, I don't preach um, in isolation. I'm trying to encourage you and hopefully you're encouraging me. The more you encourage me, the more I'll encourage you. And it's this beautiful symbiotic relationship that, uh, that happens. Okay, so... Is that good? Yeah, it's good. It's good. Mm. Oh, come on. Is that good? <laughs> yeah. 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 Yeah, oh, good, good. Excellent. Cool. So, so we're stronger together. The th- my third reason that we need to be together is that together speaks. Yeah. Together speaks to the world. John 13, 34 to 35 says, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Together speaks to the world. It speaks to Cromwell when you guys are together, mm. loving one another. When there's this disparate group of people. I just met Otto, is it? Who's? What was your name? Otto. Otto, yeah, who's 95. Uh, and uh, I haven't met the youngest member of the congregation, but there's a, it's, church is this crazy thing when you have people from all generations yeah. and different backgrounds and ethnicities and, you know, histories come together and love one another. There's no place like it. Yeah. And when that is happening, that speaks to the world because when people come in here and they are loved and they feel welcomed and they feel that there's something that speaks of the love of God. Mm. That speaks of a, a genuine God far more than so many of the, the other things that we do, far more than the lights and the nice music, the love that we have one, for one another mm. speaks to the world around us. That's good. That's good. The flip side of that is that if we don't, if we're you know, backbiting and we're having, you know, taking offence with one another and we're in conflict and then... When people come in, that speaks to them as well. And that actually, in essence, denies the presence of a living God amongst us. Ouch. We need, we need to come together because that speaks to the world around us. Yeah. It's good. Okay, is that good? Yeah, Shannon thinks it's good. Right in the back, it's good. The rest of you in the middle. Is that good? It's okay, good. Good, okay. So... Okay, we've established we need to come together. I'm glad we're all on the same page. How do we do it? How, how do we come together in a, such a broken world that is, you know, and, and from our own brokenness and our own messed upness? How do we come together? Well, I've got three itties. Three itties, words that end with I-T-Y-S, uh, that, that I think will really help you to come together as a church. So the first one is Proximity. It's hard to be together if you're not together. Yeah, Yeah? I know, this is deep teaching. I said you didn't need deep teaching, so I'm coming right back to basics. You can't be together if you're not in the same place. Acts 
2, 1 to 2, says, When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. If you want to see the suddenly of God in your life, you have to be in the room. Good. You have to be in that space. Imagine if you were one of the, the disciples and, you know, you've been waiting for days and days for this Holy Spirit thing that Jesus said he was going to send. And, man, you oh, this, this is, I'm getting sick of this. So you went down the street to Macca's that day and you, uh, and, and, and you missed out and you came back. And the people are just all talking in funny languages. There's flames coming out of their heads. And you're like, what happened? Done. I missed the move of God. I missed what God could have done because I wasn't in the room. I love that Jesus came at such a time that you couldn't like live stream him from somewhere. You couldn't. Someone recorded him on your phone and showed you Jesus. You couldn't, you know, hear him on the radio. You couldn't even Morse code him. You, there was nothing. You had to be there with Jesus. Now, today you can. God can, can touch you through a video or through a, a song on the radio or in so many different ways. He can. But there's something about being in the room. Because the Trinity, God the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, they... The Holy Spirit is a person. There's a personhood around him. And so he can be present. He's not just this mystical force. He's actually, this, uh, biblically, he's, there's a personhood in the Holy Spirit. And so he can be present. And so to, for, for him to be moving, you have to be there in that space. Yeah, it's good. And so you have to be in the proximity. Oh, there's something, that's why there's something powerful about us coming together. Because it's a shared experience. Years from now, you will, you will rub shoulders with one another and you go, remember that time when that guy from Tamaru came and he made us all sit together. Now, it probably won't be that memorable for you, but there's, there's a shared experience that we have with one another that can only happen when we come together. Yeah. You know, the world knows this. That's why rock concerts, even though you can listen to your favourite band, you can stream it, you can watch music videos, you can have all that. People will still spend thousands of dollars to fly overseas, to be in a big stadium, to be in that place, spend hundreds of dollars on accommodation and tickets just to be there. Yeah. We still know that. It's the same with God. It's the same with coming to get, You can't do church from your living room at home. That's not church, because church is the coming together of the people of God. That's good. And we have to have that proximity to one another for it to, to be real and for us to, to actually experience Him in that way. I think we need to create some FOMO around uh, church. <laughs> Who knows? You know what FOMO is. Yeah, I'm young, I'm hip. <laughs> that was the biggest laugh I got. Seriously? Wow, wow obviously I'm not. Fear of missing out uh, is, yeah, I know, I've got lots of, I've got, I've got young kids, I'm not that young anymore. Um, I think we need to create that. You know, teenagers have fear of missing out on, you know, whatever's going on. We need to create that around the, the, the house of God. Oh, wow, you, you weren't there on Sunday, man, you missed out. 
there was this amazing speaker from Timaru. He was awesome. Uh, and God really touched my life. So, uh, yeah, we, we, need, we need to do that. A lot of the time, though, we, we excuse ourselves. We say, oh, look, I'm too busy. I can't make it. I've got this, uh, these other plans and things. And if we're quite honest, we're not too busy. We just have different priorities. We've just actually not made it a priority to be together. Because if, if it was important to us, we would make, we would make it happen, right? We would make it happen. But, you know, don't, don't hide behind the fact, because we are all too busy, everybody's too busy. If, if you, how's your week? Oh, it's been busy. Yeah, you've just been playing PlayStation all week, but you, you still, it's still just <laughs> so busy. And, and the thing is that one of the, the enemy's key ways of, 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 of halting the church moving forward is isolation. He will try and isolate you. He'll, he'll whisper in your ear, oh, you don't need to be there this week. Oh, you don't need to go to your small group or you don't need to, to do that. That, that, that. That's, you know, just, just skip it. And little by little, he, he, will, he will isolate you. He'll pull you away and you'll find that you're less effective. It's that whole coal being removed from the fire. And gradually that coal will start... You know, it's, it's red and it's glowing, but gradually it'll go out. Because it needs for it to burn with a fire. It needs to be with the other coals, with the other people, encouraging one another. Proverbs 18.1 says this. This is the New King James Version. It says, a man who isolates himself, or a woman who isolates themselves, seeks his own desire. He rages against all wise judgments. Wow. Anybody want to rage against wise judgment? That sounds like a dumb thing to do. But when you isolate yourself, that's essentially what you're doing. When you remove yourself from community, from, from family, from people who love and support you. you and, and that's what happens. So it's a natural response. When things are hard, we pull back. When things are tough, we draw away. Because we don't know... How to handle it, or the enemy's whispering in a year, oh, you just need to go away and sort this out. No, you don't actually need to go away and sort it out. You need to press in. You need to connect in with people who can love and support you and help you through that. So, we need to come together. We need to be in proximity. Okay, this is the first way that we come together is we just come together in proximity. Number two, is vulnerability. Vulnerability. It kind of flows on from proximity. Because how many of you know you can be together in the same room, but if you're not being real with one another, then you're still alone. Mm, you're good. still isolating yourself from other people. Now, all of us have, you know, kind of zones in our lives that we let people into. And, and I'm not advocating that you just... Share your dirty laundry with everybody and tell everybody your issues and your, you know, that's unhealthy as well. But there is a sense that we need to be real and there needs to be people in our lives, in our church family that we share with one another, that we're vulnerable with. Mm. And that takes time. You have to build those relationships. That takes time. You have to build that trust. But it's, it's healthy and we need to do it. 
And I, I, I don't see, I don't see in the in the, the church today, people. Um, well, sometimes there's some, there'll always be some people who overshare, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> you know who those people are. But in general, there are people. We are a people who, who keep ourselves to ourselves, and we don't open up enough. I would say uh, is the general um, theme, and and we do that for a number of reasons. Like, quite quite often, it's because we've been hurt before. You know, we've we've opened up before, and, and we've been betrayed in some way, and and, uh, and we're scared that we'll get hurt again. We're fearful of what others will think of the real me. If they if you really knew me, then you wouldn't like me. But ultimately, I think it's it's pride that gets in our way. It's pride that keeps us from opening up. And and. I think pride's the big, our biggest enemy, and I think the the enemy uses that in our lives. When we when we overcome that pride, when we come to God in humility and come to one another in humility, then God can move in our hearts. Mm, then He can good. change us. You know, Jesus, even Jesus was vulnerable. Even Jesus was, you know, he, he's incredible, and and one of the most complex and and difficult passages in the Bible, uh, Jesus opens up and shows us his vulnerability. I wonder if you could put that on the screen. Uh, Jesus wept. Okay, it's not particularly uh, deep, but actually there is something in there. See, see, even Jesus, the Son of God, showed himself to be vulnerable. Mm. The, the, the setting is... Um, Lazarus has died, and uh, he was a friend of Lazarus. And we know that Mary and Martha were there. They were Lazarus' sisters. But actually, if you read on, the crowd start talking about how Jesus was weeping. So there was a number of people observing Jesus weeping. You think about that. When was the last time you wept in front of a number of people? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying you all have to just you know, be, be bawling messes all the time. But I think there's a, there's a sense that we, we often, we pretend. We let, uh, no, no, I've got it all together. Um, this is, I'm, I'm okay. And, and in doing that, you know, Jesus is our example, right? He's the guy we want to live like. He's the person that we, we want to model our lives on. And he had the, the openness to be vulnerable in front of a number of people to the point he was just openly weeping. You know, you guys have small groups? Do you have any, like, yeah. So those, those are great spaces where we can open up and be real with one another. Yeah. And I encourage you to get into that space and, and have that connection and that community and that vulnerability because that's how you will grow. Because true togetherness comes through our, our vulnerability. One Peter... 5, 5, and James 4, 6 both say this. God opposes the proud but shows favour or shows grace to the humble. Who wants to be opposed? Anybody want to be opposed by God? No? Good. Good. I don't want to be opposed by God. And therefore, I've got to, I've got to be humble enough to say, hey, look, I'm struggling with this. I have an e-group of guys that I hang out with and, and you know, we pray for one another. We, we hang out and and, and I, you know, when I'm struggling, I'll share with them. I have a person I ring every week and we talk. Um, 
you know, he's, he's kind of my accountability, excuse me, person that, you know, there's a vulnerability there. There's a, you know, I, I'm, when I stuff up, I have to humble myself and say, hey, Jacob, you know, I've messed up again. Uh, but that's powerful. That opens my life to the favour of God. It opens my life to His grace. And we need that level of vulnerability if we're really to be together and if we're really to grow. So we've got proximity, we've got vulnerability, and finally, we've got unity. Because you can be together, but not together. You can have a crowd of people in one place, but they are not going in the same direction. They are all on their own page, all doing their own thing. Acts 2, 44 says, All the believers were together and had everything in common. Acts 4, 32 says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. That's a degree of togetherness that's a little scary. <laughs> I'm advocating that you all lay down all your possessions at the feet of Ray and Shannon and, uh, and let them just redistribute them amongst you as they see fit. That sound good? You all for that? Those of you who are students, like, yeah, come on, let's do this. <laughs> Those of you who own your own homes are not quite so keen. But... That's biblical. That's, that's a crazy degree of unity. I'm saying it's, it's not just, you know, not just all my words that we're together. We don't just sing the same songs. No, no, our lives are together to a degree that if there's someone in need, we'll meet that need. We'll look out for that person. They were, it says they were one in heart and mind. And you see, under these conditions, the church exploded. It went gangbusters. There were 3,000 people added in one day. It's, it just went, no, imagine, 3,000, that's, well, what do you say, four, 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 four and a half thousand people? Wow, two-thirds of Cromwell in one day is in your church. Wow, that would be incredible. But you see, when we had that spirit of being together, that's what can happen. You go back to the Old Testament, the Tower of Babel, there's a story that when the the people, and this is well before Jesus and before even Abraham, the people got together and they were one in purpose, and, and, but the purpose wasn't good. It was just to build a tower and to, to attain their own glory. And God shut it down very quickly because he knew that they could achieve anything if they were together. If they were genuinely together and in one heart and mind, yeah. you can achieve anything. Man, Church Untamed, if you are together and heart and mind, you will change Cromwell. That's good. This church will will explode. If you want to, if you, it's no surprise you. You want to put up the next scripture. Psalm 133 says, "How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the bed, running down on Aaron's bed, <laughs> uh, down on the collar of his robe." Gets messy. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. 
So the thing to understand here is that oil in the Bible represents the Holy Spirit, represents his presence. So that passage tells us that when people dwell together in unity, his spirit moves. His spirit pours out. That's what we want, right? That's, that's hopefully what you want in your life is you want the Holy Spirit moving and pouring out. And in this space, when you come together, that's what you want. You want to see God moving and touching lives and changing us. That happens when we are together in heart and mind. Now, I'm going to get real practical on here. So we take a, take a step back and we think, okay, we've got to be together in heart and mind. And then God's Holy Spirit will, will flow up. How does that happen? We just rock up on Sunday and we're together. No, there's more to it than that. You actually have to work for unity. It actually takes some effort for us to stay unified. Because how many of you know that we, we have things we disagree with? You, you might have some issues with one another. I know our church does. I talked to a lady this week. She was telling me that her issues with the, her e-group leader. And I, I directed her to this very passage because actually, you know, it's not Ray and Shannon's issue uh, to sort out all the, the differences between one another. Possibly down the track if things can't get sorted. But most of the time, if we follow this, this is what Jesus says. Matthew 18, we'll read it to you. 15 to 16 says, If, if another believer sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. If the other person listens and confesses it, you've won that person back. But if you are unsuccessful, take one or two others with you and go back again, so that everything you say may be confirmed by two or three witnesses. And it goes on, you, then you talk to them. Then you talk to Rain Shannon, if that hasn't worked. Now, this isn't easy. It takes courage. But it's the biblical and it's the right thing to do. Because 99 times out of 100, that's just a misunderstanding. Somebody has said something and they... They, you know, you took it the wrong way and that's not what they meant. Or someone did something and it, it hurt your feeling. But actually, you can talk it out. That is protecting the unity. When we do that, when we grow up in maturity as Christians and we actually take responsibility for the unity of faith, then God can pour out His Holy Spirit. That's good. Then He can move in this place like you've not seen before. But it's difficult. It takes courage But that's what it takes to, to protect the unity. That's what it takes to, to bring that togetherness in this place. Uh, can I grab the guitarist? To, that'd be awesome. Just play beautifully like David played um, in the Old Testament on his harp. Can you just play it like a harp? Be good. Um, there's an amazing... I want to read you. There's an amazing picture of... Uh, um, the early church in Acts 2. And you may have heard it. It's kind of like the we, we, we idolize this picture of the church uh, as, as church planters because it's, it's amazing. And it says this in Acts 2, 42. It says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together 
in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There's so many elements of together in this passage. They were together teaching, together hanging out, together eating, together praying, together seeing miracles. They were giving to each other. They were meeting regularly in temple courts. That's You could say that's the church. And in their homes, that's your small group. Uh, they were eating together again. They were, they were praising God, drawing all this stuff together. And out of that togetherness came incredible growth. Daily people were being added. There was an attractiveness about that. And this is where I want to land, is that ultimately us being together as a church is not about us. It's about the world around us. Actually, yes, you will, you will benefit when we come together. You will hear from God. You will connect with Him. You'll connect with one another. It'll be awesome for you. But ultimately, that's not the end goal. The end goal is that you change your community around you, that you reach people with the goodness of God. When we come together and we live and we dwell together, then God pours out His Holy Spirit and lives are changed. Lives are changed. And I don't know about you, but that's that's what I want to see. That's what I want to see in my church. And I know these guys, that's their heart, is to see people's lives changed. And we need to we need kind of need to break off that consumer Western mindset that you know that going to church is about me getting you know ticking my box or getting my needs met. Yes, you will get your needs met, but ultimately, if you come with that attitude, it's all about you. Then you've missed the point because actually we come for God and for others. Well, Jesus' two commandments was that we love Him and we love others. And when we come together, that's part of that. And so we, we do that, to recap, we do that by, by coming into proximity. Because the thing is, your very presence blesses someone else. I know as, as a, a church planner that, you know, you have a new family come to church. And you're like, oh, awesome to have you along. Oh, you would so connect well with oh, this other family. But they're not there because they're just not there that week. They decided that they would rather go water skiing. I don't know. But there's a, the, you're, you're, and especially, especially in a church this size, your presence matters because it helps create something that others can, can become a part of. And, uh, and, and you, it, it's noticeable when you're not there. It really is. You know, you, your church of 3,000, you know, people aren't going to notice. Even a church of 300, you know, people aren't going to notice. But, or some people will. Hopefully your friends will notice. But, you know, in this space, there's power in coming together and, and just in building momentum week after week. So good. And that, that comes from together. So firstly, proximity. Secondly, vulnerability. When you're vulnerable, you give others permission to be vulnerable as well. So when, when someone is, you know, opening up and, and there's tears streaming in their face, 
it gives other people permission to be real with God, with real with one another, and to, to, to have their issues dealt with, to have God come and change their hearts. You give permission in, in the way you are vulnerable to one another. So again, vulnerability is about other people as well. And in unity, well, we talked about how unity brings the presence of God, and that is about others as well. Because when people come to the space and, and the presence is here, then, then that's what changes people's hearts. That's what changes people's lives. It's, it's not the setup. It's not anything but God who can change our heart. I was talking to my, my cousin. Um, he, he runs a... He's, he's just back in Alexandria for a month. And uh, in Buenos Aires, he runs a, a, a um, after-school program for, for um, kids who are on the street and uh, who have a whole lot of issues. In. But he's not a Christian at all. And, and, he, and, and his thing is just, man, education, if I can get these kids educated and have them you know, in a safe environment, they'll, they'll, they'll grow and they'll change. And, and, I, and I admire what he's doing, but I also know that actually it's only Jesus. It's only the the presence of God that can change a person's heart. And I, I shared this with him. He said, talk to me about, oh, yeah, it's, it's about energy and um, this other <laughs> stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, it's not so much, but uh, we have to do, agree to disagree. But, you know, it's, it's God's presence that changes people's lives. And, and, and I just want to close uh, by, by, by just giving you an opportunity in this moment to to just test your heart. Just go, okay, is, is, there, is there stuff that, that is causing disunity in my life? Is, do I have an issue with someone? Do I have to go talk to them? That doesn't mean you have to bail them up after the service. But, <laughs> uh, but you know, there is, a, there, is a, there is a time and a place just to, to talk things through with them. And if that's not, if it's just actually an issue of your heart, you don't need to talk to them, you just need to forgive them in your heart, then then we'll have a space for that as well. But I just want us to, to take this idea of unity, of, of togetherness seriously. Because when the church is truly together, then God will move. So why don't, why don't you stand to your feet and just, just open your heart, open your life to God in this, in this space. And I just, I just want to pray that's cool with you. Father, I thank you that you love us, you've got plans and purposes for us, and as a part of that, you didn't create us to be alone. You created us for a family, for a church, family that is together, together. And God, I ask that you would just put your finger on things in our lives that need to shift, whether it's attitudes or offense. God, show us where that might be. Even now, by your Spirit, speaking into our hearts. And God, I pray you'd give us the courage to go and just have a chat with someone about that if we need to. And if there's an offense that we're holding right now and we just need to release it, God, we do that now. We say, we forgive that person in Jesus' name. We release that hold right now. Even as you have forgiven us, so we will forgive them.
And God, I pray for this church. I pray for Church Untamed and Cromwell that there will be a togetherness, that they will come together in proximity and vulnerability and ultimately in unity. And your spirit will move in power in this place. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.